0: The El Conservador
2: radio show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9:30 a.m., The Answer. Time for the El Conservador radio show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador george rodriguez howdy 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 once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you in from san antonio deep in the heart of south texas how is everyone today uh it's an exciting we've got a packed show as usual very exciting for you uh got lots of things to, uh, to give you uh, to uh, update you on uh, let me tell you who our guests are real quick uh before we have our first one our first guest i'm really really excited to uh, about this it's uh, our first time with him is mr rodney scott who is the former border patrol chief under trump uh, i'm pretty i'm really excited about getting him on the show uh he's going to be chatting with us about um the situation with the border patrol agents that are going to be disciplined uh as well as uh, the continuing saga of the poor uh, i mean uh, the poor morale that we've got with with the border patrol in general uh we also have uh also with us is Mr. John Melendez, who is the uh, law enforcement director for the Republican Men in San Antonio. Uh, John is going to be chatting with us about the issue of uh, the Second Amendment and uh, the uh, red flag laws, uh, his interpretation, his thoughts on it. Uh, we're really excited to talk about that. <clears throat> then we've got um, we have Mr. Matt Cody, uh, who is president of the uh, Texas Oil and Gas Workers Association. He's going to be chatting with us about uh, the continuing saga of the war on American energy. That's the only way that I can describe it—the war on American energy. You know, when we hear the socialists and the communists all talk about uh, workers of the world unite, it seems like the only workers they really want to—they want to re- unite all workers except police officers and uh, and oil workers. Those are the only ones they really don't want to. Do. And I guess truckers, to a large extent, as well. So um Matt Cody will be on. Our final guest is going to be Miss Kelly Perry. Miss Kelly Perry is a Texas Republican Executive Committee member uh from the uh Southwest region here in Sa- here just southwest of San Antonio, Del Rio, Brackettville, uh that area. And uh she's going to be chatting giving us an update of um of what is going on uh with the ranchers, uh with the law enforcement folks in that area. Uh, it's uh, it's very gripping, my friends. It's very distressing, very gripping, and very distressing, of what continues to happen and what seems to be getting even worse as far as the uh, as far as the residents, the citizens in that area. So, folks, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Welcome to the show. We're going to go to our first guest, Mr. Rodney Scott, former Border Patrol chief under Trump. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, the answer here in San Antonio in South Texas. And we've got a new guest with us, a very good guest, a very important one. I am really, really happy to uh, have gotten him on the show, Mr. Rodney Scott, who you've probably seen all over the uh, the uh, TV news recently, uh, and he used to be chief of uh, of Border Patrol, and uh he's been in the Border Patrol or he was in the Border Patrol from nineteen eighty two to about uh what two twenty one, two 21, 2021, rather. <clears throat> and uh under uh under Trump. I wanted to get him on because Rodney, I am really, as many of us are, very, very dismayed by this whole situation with the alleged whipping of Haitian uh migrants. And uh, disciplinary action against the border patrol agents. Uh, can you tell us about that? Talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. I'm. Uh, I've watched the video, uh, like everybody else. Um, that was, uh is probably a, a good, polite word to use uh, when I saw all types of people, uh, all the way up to the president, uh, completely throw due process out the window and basically convict these agents of wrongdoing. When that is. It didn't even. That wasn't even what showed up on the video. And then the photographer later said that he didn't see any whipping at all. Um, my understanding, for, for those of the listeners out there, there's two different types of, of discipline or investigations within law enforcement agencies. Now, pretty much like any business, if you will. Uh, criminal misconduct is investigated um, by the Office of Inspector General or Civil Rights Violations. And those are things you can actually you know, be charged and go to jail for. And then there's all types of internal policies and procedures. That's what is uh, it considered an administrative investigation. And the allegations that I've heard and my sources indicate that the discipline coming down is administrative uh, in nature, um, which still troubles me because just the way that process works, uh, some government employees have to make a decision whether there was a violation or not. And then now they've heard everybody up to the president basically mandate that there is. So how, how is that individual going to be neutral uh, and objective? It's, it's just a horrible situation all the way around. Those agents were doing the best job they could. In, in and in a horrible situation, it was created by the Biden administration's policies to begin with.
2: You know, um, in my days with uh, INS, I remember, you know, there were often, often a lot of accusations, allegations about uh, the Border Patrol, um, manhandling, being rough, talking in a very brusque manner, uh, I mean, some people uh, will, will, will file a complaint at drop of a hat. And, um, you know, if you've already been accused, if you've been not only accused, but you've already been convicted by the president, it makes it very, very difficult to, uh, you know, to feel comfortable in your job.
0: That, that is, in fact, true. And then it's not just that, that agent. Uh, all the agents in the Border Patrol are hearing and seeing, you know, the rhetoric, if you will, out of this administration, um, they've already seen the administration completely walk away from their border security mission and relegate them to administrative immigration processors, um, and, and they don't feel supported. And then this feels almost vindictive—that they're, they're out to get them. You know, every single person the border patrol arrests. Uh, they get due process. They get uh, whatever that due process is, whether it's a judge, an administrative hearing, but they get due process. And uh, these poor agents were convicted on national TV, really global uh, TV and, and media, without that due process. Is It's very troubling, um, but it's very consistent with this administration.
2: Do you think that the morale, with uh, it, it's really impacting badly on the morale of uh, the Board of the <sighs>
0: Uh, yeah, I think it is actually, um, and I and I worry about morale for many for many reasons. Um, but the fact that the, this administration walked away from the mission—they're uh, actually having most border patrol agents starting to leave the station now uh, for for weeks on end. They're just processing administrative immigration cases that they know. Uh, don't meet the, the criteria, and then they're watching them be released. They know that there's hundreds of miles of border that are completely open every day, that the cartel is just laughing at us as they bring across fentanyl, cocaine, heroin, criminals, and, and we've seen 42 uh, terrorists that were actually caught, but 800,000 events have been documented where people got away. Yeah. Um, that, that is, that's weighing heavy on the agents. And then on top of that, now they see when they do try to do their job, and they don't do anything wrong. They literally just do their job the way they were trained. The entire administration comes after them for political reasons, I believe, and then tries to discipline them for trying to keep people out of the country. This is insane.
2: Incredible. Um, let me. You are you are now working uh, with uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and I need to ask you this because um, recently there was an article uh, by uh, Governor DeSantis um, being a little bit critical. I mean being a little bit critical of uh Governor Abbott and his initiatives uh at the border. Uh as a uh as a consultant for Texas Public Policy Foundation, how do you uh, how do you rate or what do you think the governor has done? Governor Abbott has done how well has he done in addressing this um uh this crisis that we've got at the border given that the Biden administration seems to um counter everything they do?
0: It, yeah, that, that's a unique uh, unique angle or, or question, so I'll, I'll dodge a little bit. I just want to clarify, Texas Public Policy Foundation is a conservative think tank. Um, uh, not not apologetic at all in our views for border security and conservative values, but we're nonpartisan and nonpolitical, so we have no direct allegiance, if you will, uh, to one party or the other. Um, so I'll stay out of that part of it, but I will tell you, on behalf of Texas Public Policy and at the request of Texas DPS, uh, Colonel McCraw, I actually went down, And did uh, a full review and tour of Operation Lone Star recently to help evaluate it uh, for them. I believe uh, that within reason, the governor's doing about everything he possibly can. Immigration, it's firmly established as Supreme Court law. That is a federal responsibility. Uh, So a lot of people want him to do something on the immigration side. that, That is just not the state's responsibility. But what the governor is doing is he's filling those huge gaps where border patrol agents have been pulled off the border and they're doing this immigration processing. He's filled those gaps with higher patrol to the extent he can and the National Guard. And for some context for the listeners... That Just if you look at the, the migrants crossing the border, uh, Texas DPS and the National Guard under this operation have arrested or stopped over 263, almost 264,000 migrants crossing that border. Wow. Uh, mixed in with all that was over 4,000, almost 4,300 criminal trespass arrests, 13,500 felony charges, and 16,000 criminal arrests. Every single one of those would have been a gotaway because there was no Border Patrol there. So just the law enforcement benefit alone, keeping Texans and keeping this country safe from this criminal activity crossing the border, every one of those would have got away. The governor, you know, he's doing what he can. He cannot deport people. That's the catch. Um, some some other discussions going on about the, uh, the protection clause in the constitution and whether this is an invasion or not. Um, I I honestly think they're doing a really good job. And I didn't even mention, you know, the thousands of pounds of of marijuana, cocaine, meth and heroin and fentanyl that they've also, you know, apprehended crossing that border. Um, I, I, it's a tough spot to be in when the federal government just completely walks away from their responsibility really all the taxpayers in texas now they're paying for this twice because you're still paying for the border patrol and then now you're taking a hit locally by having all your resources down there but i think i would be doing the same thing the governor's doing
2: wow i mean you know that's that's good to hear because i hear a lot of criticism that the governor isn't doing enough and i'm not sure what else he could be doing
0: yeah it's a it's a it's a tough position to be in and whether people like it or not, the people, the, the real critics focus on the flow. And if you do focus only on the flow, the governor's actions haven't slowed down the flow. Exactly. But that's because the federal government keeps inviting these people to come across the cartels, using them as cover. But the governor's actions has taken all these criminal threats off the streets, and uh, even even the busing, which which got a lot of criticism. Um, that was to support all those local communities that were being completely overwhelmed, and they didn't have the infrastructure or the resources to take care of people. We had to get them out of he needed to get them out of those border communities. Uh, did you want to ship them to Dallas or San Antonio and still have them in Texas, or at least give them a ride to DC or or exactly. uh, somebody else that uh, invited them could, could pay the bill?
2: Exactly. I mean, we see a lot. In fact, I was I was jogging through my uh, through through my neighborhood here uh, through one of the Parks, and I ran into two Guatemalans that are very happily living homeless, but they're in the United States, and they're happy.
0: <laughs> Jeez. And you're and you're not in Lubbock. Well, I'm sorry, you're not in Laredo or, or Eagle no. Pass either. People forget this is not a border problem. This is a national security problem. That's exactly the borders right. are transit area. All these threats are going to every city, town, and state across America. Uh, and, and people need to wake up and realize that. I think uh, the people of District 34 woke up Oh my gosh. and realized that. So that's fantastic that that, yep. uh, that Ms. Flores is, is, is going to be representing the Border Patrol a little bit better at the national level for
2: us. And her husband is in the Border Patrol, I believe, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I, I think you've got a, a good insider there now that's going to know what policy really does on the border.
2: My goodness. Mr. Scott Rodney, thank you very, very much for t- taking time to be on our show. I really, really appreciate it. I hope that we can get you back on again sometime soon.
0: I'd be glad to. You just uh, let me know. We'll see what we can work out, but I'd be glad to come back.
2: You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Rodney Scott, former chief of the Border Patrol uh, under the Trump administration. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us.
0: Thank you. You guys have a great day.
2: George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP, 930 AM Radio, The Answer. dot news howdy 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 once again my friends George Rodriguez El Conservador talking to you from San Antonio deep in the heart of South Texas and uh, we've got a new guest with us Mr. John Melendez and John is uh, the law enforcement director for the Republican men here in San Antonio Um, I wanted to reach out to John because Uh, we want to chat about what's been going on with the Second Amendment. As we all know, since uh, the border crisis has erupted, and I mean it has erupted, and there are lots of situations where people feel uh, endangered along the border, the the private ranchers, the private property owners. There's also uh, been that ugly situation that occurred in uh, Uvalde. And since then, of course, You've got the liberals screaming and yelling and blaming the guns. Heaven forbid that you ever blame the criminals. But um, I I wanted to reach out to him to chat about uh, these proposed red flag issues or laws, legislations, uh, and um, the recent um, New York case uh, in front of the Supreme Court that was ruled on regarding concealed carry. So uh John, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you, George, for having me. I appreciate uh being on the show today.
2: Let's uh let's begin first of all with this um uh what appears to be the strengthening of the Second Amendment in New York, uh, with the New York case by the St- Supreme Court. We've got uh, we've got virtually a, a meltdown among some uh uh liberals who are freaking out uh that the Supreme Court apparently didn't take the guns away. All right. I guess, but, um, uh, can you comment a little bit about that?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, um, it was it was great to to wake up this morning and find out that the Supreme Court is actually uh, doing some good things. And actually, I'm, um, you know, quite honestly, I've been pleasantly surprised um, past couple of weeks with what's happening uh, at the Supreme Court level and what may happen. You know, we got Roe v. Wade coming up here probably in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting developments at the Supreme Court level uh, taking place. So with New York State Rifle and Associates versus Bruin, that was the case that was decided on. Uh, Today, it was a 6-3 ruling, and they ruled in favor of concealed carry. Um, As you know, in New York State, uh, you need to have proper cause or a specific reason to go out and carry your firearm out in public. So that went up to the Supreme Court level because there were a couple of guys Got in trouble just for carrying a firearm. They didn't break any uh, laws. They were law abiding citizens, never committed any felonies, never did anything wrong. But under the eyes of the law in New York State, they were deemed criminals uh, overnight. Um, so, you know, Justice Thomas, um, you know, basically said in his ruling today that the second amendment shouldn't be a second class right because you don't need proper cause for any other right under the bill of rights. Um, but for some reason, uh, liberals look at the second amendment a little differently and you know, they, they, they regulate it to the point to where it becomes almost impossible to carry. And that, that's what was going on in New York.
2: Uh, you know, again, it seems like, um, uh, like these liberals, uh, are, uh, 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 seem to be insecure and immature about their views of the second amendment so uh I, it doesn't surprise me their their immature and insecure reactions to a gun or somebody carrying a gun now l- tell us tell us about the red flag legislation because here in texas i mean um since the Uvalde tragedy we've got uh we've got a lot of folks jumping on the bandwagon uh regarding the red flag legislation uh, tell us tell us a little bit about that and tell us about this uh, previous case that has already uh, been uh, ruled on, Coniglia versus Strom. Uh, what first of all, what is red flag legislation and how uh, how does it impact on us?
1: Yes sir. Thank you for the question, George. Uh, so red flag laws, are absolutely unconstitutional and um like you said i'm with the republican men of san antonio and we actually issued out a statement because last week uh 10 gop senators climbed on board with chuck schumer and the liberal democrats uh and they were so eager to go ahead and put these red flag laws into law so with the red flag laws are they're basically just a series of laws and um the government comes in and deems who's a threat. So if they deem that you're a threat to yourself or somebody else, then they can go ahead and step in and take away your weapons. And so that's the essence of the Red Flag Law. So we as an organization issued a statement out against those 10 GOP senators who are on board with this, including and maybe not so surprisingly our Texas Senator, John Cornyn. So he's been an absolute and complete, just an utter disgrace. And you know, if he's going to keep siding with Democrats, I think he should uh, relieve himself, you know, from the party and just start referring to himself as a Democrat because that is essentially what he's been doing. So he's been uh, just really bad for the party. And so with this Supreme Court case where they tackle. Um, Red flag laws specifically, it's Coniglia versus Strom. And so that case was it was back in 2015. There was a domestic dispute between a husband and a wife. Long story short, short, there's a wellness visit made to the home and the gentleman agrees to go get a psychiatric evaluation done at the hospital and under the condition that his weapons would not be seized. So he goes and gets the evaluation done as he promised he would, and then the cops go and take his weapons from him after telling him that they wouldn't. So they did, and they did so without a warrant. So it was a warrantless search and seizure, which is in violation of the Fourth Amendment. And that was ruled um, unanimously, I might add. That was ruled unanimously in court last year uh, back in May, and you know, uh, deeming red flag laws to be unconstitutional. So we're seeing this kind of, um, you know, we see the Supreme Court going one way when it comes to gun laws in this country, and we see our legislature going another. So, and I'm, I'm a big uh, a supporter of the 10th Amendment, and I think what's going to have to happen is because clearly these laws that Congress uh, is passing are clearly unconstitutional. So, you know, I would actually really stress the importance of the 10th amendment. I think governor Abbott needs to exercise the 10th amendment and, and just say, Hey, you know what? We're not going to follow these unconstitutional laws here in the state of Texas. I think that's what ultimately needs to be done.
2: Let me ask you this because also, uh, the news broke this morning that, uh, a jury in, uh, New York city had, uh, acquitted a, uh, a guy who had run over 20 people, including killing one, with a car. Now, they, uh, they deemed him, uh, they acquitted him because they deemed him mentally incompetent. Uh, what's the difference between somebody who's mentally incompetent being deemed, you know, uh, or, or being deemed mentally incompetent after killing people with a car versus uh-huh. being mentally incompetent uh, killing people with a
4: gun?
1: yeah yeah you know whether it be mentally incompetent or criminally insane that's what we're up against and i think that was the heart of of justice thomas's ruling today is you know we treat uh guns firearms as a second class right so every other um possession you know is treated a little bit differently but when we talk about guns you know we want to harp and um you know at the end of the day it's just used to go after the weapons and so the red flag laws is a you know, it's a stepping stone to get there.
2: Yeah, it, it, um, it seems like we don't, I mean, we never go after the criminals.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, the, the criminals are, are, are their best friends. I mean, these are the same people that want to defund the police. I mean, it's no wonder um, they want the weapons taken away from law-abiding citizens because these are the people who commit the most egregious acts.
2: I mean, whether it's a gun, whether it's a car, whether it's a knife, a criminal is going to act in a criminal manner. So, yep. you know, why why not go after the individual and their behavior rather than the, uh, the instrument?
1: Exactly. That's exactly right, George. And we see where we have the most gun laws inside the country. You know, we look at places like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. Exactly. Uh, even in our nation's capital, we see crime rates uh, going up. We see homicides with illegally owned firearms. And, you know, I never hear them... Um, really going after those criminals, you know, but what's essentially done is done with these with these gun laws is it's effectively disarmed law abiding people from defending themselves.
2: And, you know, and we've got uh, this continuous uh, situation of uh, George Soros district attorneys who refuse to do something about uh, the criminals while you've got an open border And uh, people coming in that we don't know whether they're terrorists we know a lot of them are criminals Uh, you know we've got repeat offenders being released and we've got criminals crossing the border Uh, heaven knows if they're a terrorist as well Uh, I don't know (laughs) how do we defend ourselves
1: it's a national security issue and we've got people literally hundreds of thousands of people monthly uh, maybe even more just pouring across the border And, you know, if we're not going to defend our border, you know, if the federal government isn't going to go ahead and do it, then, again, we need our state government, we need Governor Abbott stepping up and defending our borders. Because, like you were talking about, this is a national security issue. We've got people we don't know if they're terrorists. We don't know who they are. And they're just coming across the border. And this is the exact moment in time where the liberal Democrats want to disarm the public, when we've got all these people who we don't know are coming in.
2: Right, we need to defend ourselves. (laughs)
1: You know, inflation is going through the roof, crime is going up You know, people need the second amendment now more than ever And so I really don't see this, um, you know I I really don't see this working out for them well politically Um, If they want to continue to try to disarm the public I think they're going to, I think they're in for a rude awakening Because it's not going to be, I just don't see it happening You got it buddy
2: Folks, we've been speaking with Mr. John Melendez, uh, the law enforcement director for Republican men here in San Antonio. John, thank you very, very much for for being with us today.
1: Thank you, George. I appreciate the, uh, the time.
2: Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, Miss Kelly Perry, uh, who is a regular guest with Hi. us. And um, she is uh, out in West Texas or Southwest Texas. She is in Kenny County. Uh, she is the the state Exe- state representative or state uh, what what is it uh, state
3: republican executive committee
2: aha state republican executive committee woman for district 19 yes. and uh i wanted to get her on because she recently uh took a tour uh of uh some ranches in the, the kenny county area which is uh which borders on uh, which is right on the border and um i wanted her to give us an, an update a description of what's going on kelly welcome welcome to the show thank you very much for taking time to be with us tell us about this uh this tour and the ranchers problems that you that you saw
3: well the tour that uh we had some people out from san antonio in the last couple of days and they took a tour of the ranches and um basically they were being shown the the trash and the where the illegals are bedding down at night and and then we went to a larger ranch and um they have game fence and they those fences cost about 25 to 30,000 um a mile and um what has happened is you know it doesn't even matter if there's a gate if there's a gate or an opening or anything they cut the wires and um i would have to tell you that we saw uh, maybe 5 600 mi- uh, cuts just in the area that we went to over this 45 minute tour um you you've got the fences and um this is a large property went went to it's at about 8000 acres and You know, they cut wires after wires after wires after wires.
2: Absolutely no (laughs) respect for private property, obviously.
3: None. And it's so sad because, you know, people have had to start leasing other land further in to put their cattle on because um, if... If a, a fence is cut and cattle get out of your property onto one of the main roads and causes an accident, you're liable. It doesn't matter if the legals cut the fi- cut the fence. You are liable for anything that happens. And uh, <clears throat> if you're way out there and it's, you know, it's 20 animals, you know, you've got to get help. You can't. You know they spread at night you you have to have help doing this so during this time it may take an hour to round people up to come and and, and catch those animals um
2: the other thing that i heard about um from one of the people that was on that tour it is the cost uh people don't understand that there's a cost for the uh for that fencing as well as in today's world uh a supply uh, because of the supply chain there's a, uh, a delay in getting some of this fencing sometimes so yeah, uh, they can be without a fence for a while
3: it can be the fence or the water troughs so we out here in this area of Texas and in others I'm sure we are under a terrible drought we have creeks that have uh, you know they've not dried up since the 50s And um, they're dried up now. And so what's happening is with the cattle is these guys come through there, and, you know, they put spigots on a lot of these so they could just turn on the water. But they don't just do that. They break it. They break the pipes. They tear the spigot off. I've seen places where they used a lighter, and they they burned through the – they burn through the the PVC. So what happens is, um, and especially in this heat, those cattle have got to have water. They have to have water, and if there's no parts, and it takes a couple of days to get parts, uh, you're looking uh, two days without water. Though you'll lose those animals. Amazing. Yes.
2: That is really really tragic what about what about the issue um, of the cost of gasoline right now? I mean, most of these folks depend on um, on on uh, trucks to uh, take care of their of their daily activities as well as um, the local police officers uh, or should I say sheriff's deputies have to depend on that as well. Uh, is that having an impact in any, in any way on the, on,
4: on the <laughs> folks?
3: <laughs> it's having a huge impact. You know, most of these ranchers live about 20 miles from town. Um, so, and most of them on the ranches, they have diesels. So you're talking at premium here. And so for, you know, one part, they're going to have to drive 20 miles to town. And if they don't have it... They're going to have to drive 20 miles back, and then they're going to get on the phone for a couple of days to try to find a part to a certain pump. And with that being the case, and our law enforcement, you know, we have been helped with money, And um, <clears throat> but as far as the gas goes, you know, their jobs is to go, you know, they're on the highways, or the ranches are way out there, and they have to drive. And um, it's just it's it's eating it up. There's there's there the price of gas has struck in a complete different way out here. Um, I wanted to be sure and tell you that I have a picture where they are coming through um, a ranch right on the river that produces watermelon. So they came through there about three hundred on. Probably Sunday and another three hundred on Monday, and they came through and they, not that uh, they ate watermelon, okay, but they destroyed a lot of melon. Well, these people, <clears throat> you know, we're in a drought, and um, that's their livelihood. That's their livelihood. That's the only livelihood they have. You know, they don't offer um, unemployment. For businesses like that, but the dirt created by the border patrol vehicles and um, this heavy traffic of people, the dust will keep the watermelon from pollinating. Wow. You're looking at a huge amount of property there. I heard the same thing is going over in some of the farms with onions same thing the dirt that have come through there they've done trails and they just go right through the you know right through the the fields that are planted and you can't replant in a season and grow another crop not going to happen and with the growing number of illegals coming through and you know we're starting to see shortages everywhere. And you know if you pay attention to what's going on out there, we're headed we're headed for a food shortage. Yeah. And with the growing number of illegals, uh, what scares me is you know they've been given priority over American citizens for the baby formula. Will they be given priority to food over American citizens? Amazing. And they're in the millions. Well, you know, we of course in in our world we never would have believed anything like that tor- toilet paper shortage back in COVID, or sure. a baby, we, we we a baby formula. We never would have imagined that could happen in the United States. But look where we are now. Look what we've been through.
2: Let um, Let me ask you this because we've only got about a couple of more minutes. Okay. Let me ask you. Has the traffic, the number of illegal aliens crossing uh, through Kenny County, has it increased?
3: To to numbers that are, they outnumber our law enforcement so bad, and it's, it's a different group. I heard from one of the DPSs that this is her 10th trip out here over the last year, and she said it's different now. These are violent and criminals that they are coming through now. I'm talking, uh, they tried to run her over on uh, Monday. A DPS, they tried to run her over. That's different. Things are changing. So, so. they're
2: much more aggressive.
3: Yes, and, and, you know, they come from countries that don't um, see life as we do. You know, we respect life. And they don't. They kill people, you know, for, for, for small reasons, that's what's coming into the United States. There's the future of our state right now is is in in such jeopardy that I would have to tell you that I personally, my opinion <clears throat> is we're seeing a collapse of the border, the whole border. Wow. We're a collapse. Um, people will not be able to find another way to make a living it's not going to exist you know it already hit our ranchers during um hunting season now it's hitting our farmers of uh, hundreds and all of them everywhere uh they only do one watermelon uh plant a year this watermelon i uh, i have never i've always thought that gradually we would get through this and climb back from it but the what i'm seeing now the collapse of all of it, every bit of it, you know, Border Patrol didn't do anything but process. National Guard, they helped Border Patrol. We, uh, the DPS has cut back, and they're not sending as many. It's become a choice for them. They were on a rotation. Um, that has changed. We we're we're looking at very, very serious circumstances over the coming months.
2: That is That is tremendous. Uh, well, I wish we had some more positive news, but these are the facts of what is happening at the border, folks. It, this is this is the facts. Kelly, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, we'll sure check way. in with sure. you again soon.
3: Okay. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good day.
2: Yes. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. dot news howdy 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 once again my friends george rodriguez el conservador talking to you on klup 9:30 a.m radio in san antonio deep in the heart of south texas and we've got our good friend mr matt cody and uh matt is president of the texas oil and gas workers association I wanted to reach out to him because earlier this week we heard from President Biden a um, an attack. That's what it was, a criticism, an attack on the oil companies and uh, big profits, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that they should uh, bring their, their profits down, that they shouldn't be making as much money, while at the same time uh, he continues to push uh, the climate change policies. Now, Matt you as president of the oil workers association uh folks that work in the industry uh what are your thoughts about president biden's comments and uh how have how have your your uh associates been impacted by these green policies
4: Man, George, I always love it whenever you have me on, and I get to run my mouth about how stupid Joe Biden is and everything he says about our industry. Look, like, first of all, thank you for having me on, George. Always good to talk to you. Look, Joe Biden is blaming oil companies for record profits, but I, I didn't hear Joe Biden on uh, April 20th of 2020 talking about how oil companies intentionally drove the price all the way to 38 did did you ever hear him say anything about that? Not at all. <laughs> no, nobody ever talks about that in this administration. Of course, we all remember that was a, one of the darkest days in um, American oil and gas history. Now, the simple fact is that Joe Biden and his administration are responsible for this energy crisis that we're in. On the campaign trail, Joe Biden said he wanted to transition away from our oil jobs. On day one, he uh, nixed the final permit or the final leg of that Keystone XL permit. And while it wouldn't be built, it wouldn't be finished even today, we'd still only be a few months away from it being finished. Um, So just as a symbol of our industry, Joe Biden took action from day one to show us that he was going to try to kill our oil and gas jobs. And then if you go out from that... Well, then uh, we've got Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who's been trotting around the world asking banks to stop funding fossil fuel projects, so we don't have any investment. Then you've got ESG investing that's inherently anti-oil and gas, and I don't care what Larry Fink says, um, uh, some of these investment firms are not all in on Texas oil and gas. They're not all in on American oil and gas. A lot of uh, a lot of people are talking out of both sides of their mouth. Of course, in the Biden administration, then, well, Joe Biden nominated a Marxist comptroller of the currency who said that she wanted oil and gas companies to go bankrupt. You know, and they keep talking about this climate crisis. Um, On top of that. Uh, Energy Secretary Jennifer Grantham floated the possible reimposition of the crude oil export ban. So you have to put them all together. I hear some people say that, well, we've gotten mixed messaging from the Biden administration on oil and gas. And that's not true. We've gotten... Very consistent messaging from the Biden administration that we want to kill your industry, we want to kill your jobs, and oh, by the way, we're going to keep running to Venezuela begging for crude, we're going to keep running to Saudi Arabia begging for crude, Um, but we won't roll back these jobs killing environmental regulations, and then we're going to cancel lease sales because of a, a lack of interest and what a, what a lot of people don't understand is that that is creating problems and could result in very high gas prices for decades to come because we need to be drilling today for lower gas prices in the future
2: you know it, it really is amazing to me how you know all the things that you did that you have uh, mentioned you know from day one, canceling the uh, the Keystone pipeline, as well as during his campaign, making his comments uh, antagonistic towards the oil and gas industry. Um, it seems to me that when these uh, Democrats, who are really Marxists, uh, make the comment about uh, their concern for working Americans, it's anybody that works uh, except uh, police officers in the oil industry. Oil workers.
4: That's it. That's <laughs> it. And, uh, George, from what I hear, you were called everything from a racist to a rhino this week.
2: Yes. And, um,
4: <laughs> I, I can't believe brown people are racist. I, mean, <laughs> it, I swear, some people in this country have lost their minds. And, uh, my friend Jim Townsend over in New Mexico, and he's a House Minority Leader, he talks about these radical environmentalists. And, and he says it's a cult. You know, it has really become dogmatic. They just believe that we have to kill oil and gas jobs here in this country or else. Well, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, she said it in 2019. She said the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And that emboldened a very misinformed voting base to go to the polls and act against our oil and gas jobs. You know, And, and so it has not become dogmatic. And, and a lot of people don't hear about the Biden administration uh, funding oil and gas <laughs> development in foreign countries like Iran. Iraq and and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's administration being willing to completely lift sanctions on Iran's irresponsible oil industry. Um, And then they don't pay attention. It's, it's supply and demand. It's an education battle we fight because a lot of people don't know that Exxon Mobil uh, committed another $10 billion in investment just a couple of months ago in offshore, offshore Guyana. Um, And down there, Uh, A joint venture of ExxonMobil, Hess Corporation, and China National Offshore Oil Corporation has now discovered 10 or 11 billion barrels of light-sweet crude oil that rivals West Texas Intermediate, and they can produce it cheaper down there. You know why? Because they don't have record inflation. Right. So. Um, Whenever you look at the record inflation under this Biden administration um, and the supply chain crisis, uh, it's driving up production costs. And the more environmental regulations that we pass that are unnecessary and burdensome and drive up production costs, it makes a barrel of oil produced here in the United States less attractive to refiners because they make their money off of margins. So if they can import foreign oil, well, then – we don't get to produce as much here, and that's why having foreign control of our refineries is a bad idea.
2: It, it's it's incredible foreign foreign uh, control of anything that we have is a bad idea. It
4: uh, always is, and apparently we have foreign control of the White House right now. Exactly, that enough seems enough to that be Joe the case. Doing is, yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that seems to be the case. Let me ask you uh, this final question: um, how how have your how have the oil workers been i mean uh, i would imagine that the de- from day 1 when he shut down the the oil pipeline um that uh, a lot of workers were thrown out of jobs how has it uh, how, how has it looked 18 months later
4: well, 18 months later, the rig counts climbed to around 740. And that's good news as uh, compared to last year. But we're still about 230 rigs below 2019 rig counts. Wow! And so, uh, uh, while a lot of people think, oh, well, it's, it's coming back, and it is coming back, but we're still operating at about 75 to 78% of what we were doing in 2019. Of course, we had a much different Uh, president in 2019 who loved America and loved American workers and fought for American oil and gas jobs. Um, So it is coming back, but there's a lot of hesitancy. There are a lot of people who are trying to find a more reliable industry during this administration because uh, we've heard even recently that Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, is talking about how the Biden administration could reimpose the crude oil export ban by the end of summer. They'll use high gas prices as their excuse, but that will cut U.S. operators off from world markets and really place a proverbial bag around uh, U.S. operators' heads. Yep. And so – uh People who are supporting uh Joe Biden's policies that hurt oil and gas workers here in the country, they don't understand often that they are the ones causing the problem. Whenever you look at uh Biden's statement about greedy oil companies and talking about record profits, um what what his supporters often never hear is that he is the problem this administration their policies are the problem house democrats who are trying to enact the green new deal and several states and uh, counties and uh, localities that are trying to enact these green new deal type legislation on a smaller level they are the ones who are driving up these prices so we need to roll back environmental regulations that are just unnecessary, because all they do is cede America's global market share and our jobs to foreign countries with far less environmentally conscious standards.
2: That's right. That's right. My friend, we're going to let you go, but uh, tell the folks uh, about your association and how they can support it.
4: Man, George, I always love being on with you and always just love talking with you. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your insight. Uh, You can find Oil and Gas Workers Association uh, and join us and support American Oil and Gas Workers at OGWAUSA.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Getter, and Truth Social as well at OGWAUSA.
2: You got it, buddy. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Matt Cody, president of the, uh, Texas gas and oil workers association. Stay, stay safe, Matt.
4: Take care, George. Look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador talking to you from deep in the heart of South Texas in San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, thank you very, very much for joining us today, my friends. Uh, let me uh, give you a, a, a real quick update on a, uh, on a, on a segment that we're going to be doing in the near future. I don't know how many of you have heard, but there is a George Soros-sponsored leftist Hispanic group that has purchased a, a group of uh, radio stations across the country. And uh, in my opinion, my friends, this is the second phase of the invasion of the United States. What they plan to do, what they have done, is filled the United States... With uh, mostly Latino Spanish-speaking people, now they're going to broadcast uh, their uh, leftist jar- jargon, and they are going to brainwash these these folks. That's my opinion. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, they these um, radio stations are targeted uh, in heavy Hispanic areas, and I think that uh, they have every intention of uh, of doing Spanish-language broadcasting brainwashing. That's what I call it. So folks, in the near future I will be doing some uh, Spanish language segments and I fully intend to, uh, to uh, preach the conservative message, the American message uh, in Spanish as much as I can and I will appreciate any and all support that you folks can provide. So uh, until next week, my friends, thank you for, once again for, for being on our for uh, tuning into our show. Y'all stay strong. Y'all stay American. Until next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas.